Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, every week brings a new record number of travelers on the road, and especially at America's airports. Who knows better than Google where to go, what to do, and how to stay safe in the summer of 2021. Also this morning, to your health, it's a condition affecting some 16 million Americans. We have what you need to know to prevent infections and potential permanent vision loss for Dry Eye Awareness Month. And in our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, how an Indiana housewife answered God's call to help abandon babies with no one else in the world to care for them. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, July 21st, 2021. Today is Invite an Alien to Live with You Day. Invite an Alien to Live With You Day, uh, in celebration of the TV sitcom Mork and Mindy, actually. Uh, it is observed on the birthday of the late Robin Williams. So, there you go. If you need a reason to celebrate, <laughs> invite an alien to live with you day today. It is National Hot Dog Day, National Junk Food Day. I thought that's what I just said. National Hot Dogs, Junk Food. Anyway, but um bum uh, National Be Someone Day, and this is a an observance founded by Project Harmony, which challenges everyone to take a few seconds to make a difference in a child's life. It encourages everyone to commit to reporting child abuse. National Be Someone Day today. So, so yesterday, after Amazon founder Jeff Bezos returned from his 11-minute space flight. The world's richest man said in a post-flight flight news conference, quote, I want to thank every Amazon employee and every Amazon customer because you guys paid for all this, unquote. And that statement did not sit too well with some people. There have been growing complaints about how Amazon treats and compensates its employees. Um. Democratic Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, yes, Amazon workers and customers did pay for this with Amazon abusing their market power to hurt small business. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren zeroed in on that ProPublica report about Bezos income tax history, tweeting out Jeff Bezos forgot to thank all of the hardworking Americans who actually paid taxes to keep this country running while he and Amazon paid nothing. So not everyone was, what was that uh, joke on social media is sending Jeff Bezos to space. Do we have to bring him back into his? <laughs> so uh, that is the uh, post flight controversy. Everybody was buzzing about some of Jeff Bezos comments, but it is certainly not the last we have seen of billionaires in space. There is no question about that. Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos' company, has now sold about $100 million worth of tickets for future space flights. That is according to Bezos himself. Um, they say he described the demand for tickets as very, very high. It is unknown how much a seat on the rocket costs. However, one of the seats on that first flight went for $28 million. You remember, uh, was, uh, auctioned off. So, 
Uh, about $100 million worth of tickets, maybe two or three. But uh, they say that is, he says that the demand is very, very high for tickets on his space spacecraft. And with that, of course, uh, no politician can let that go untaxed. <laughs> um, and representative from Oregon, Democratic con- Congressman Earl Blumenauer, uh, says uh, he wants to levy a space tourism tax. The uh, cost of flying on Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic, or any other tourist craft would be subject to this tax. Um, he calls it the security, the securing protections against carbon emissions tax or space tax. Now, mind you, uh, Congressman Blumenauer is a senior member of the House Ways and Means Committee. And he says, uh, just as normal Americans pay taxes when they buy airline tickets, billionaires who fly into space to produce nothing of scientific value should do the same. The uh, tax would have two tiers, one for suborbital flights like uh, yesterday's with Jeff Bezos and last week's with uh, Richard Branson. And then for orbital flights... The uh, SpaceX is actually going into outer space uh, in an orbital flight, and they are talking space tourism in the future. So that would be a different tax level. There would be an exemption for NASA space flights where and, and flights where scientific research is conducted. So we'll see, but you had to know that if there was an opportunity to levy a tax... <laughs> On space flight, someone would get it in their head that we just had to do that. So we'll see if anything comes. I don't know, though. I mean, I I understand what he's saying. If we fly on a regular airplane, we pay a tax for that. It only seems logical that if you're boarding a craft and going into outer space, that uh, a similar thing should just for purposes of tourism i guess i can i can get it but uh of course this once again lays uh lays everything out and and has people taking sides of uh you know what's a what's right and wrong taxation and you know some of the comments by some of those democratic uh representatives democratic senators uh with respect to jeff bezos trip to out of space outer space it uh, brings this to mind. I saw this on the uh, Newswire, a new study that finds angry politicians create angry voters, and that in turn drives some individuals who might otherwise tune out of politics to get involved. Uh, University of Colorado at Boulder researchers found that people who read about an enraged politician from their own party are more likely to report feeling mad themselves than people who uh, were blissfully unaware, which I suppose makes sense. But those same angry, goes on to say those same angry people also report that they are more likely to get involved in politics from attending rallies to voting on election day. The leader of the study, Kerry Stapleton says anger is one way we can get people to vote and get engaged in politics, but it is not the only way it doesn't have to all be doom and gloom. Uh, 
I, I so what she's basically saying in not so many words is that anger is stoked by politicians for their own personal gain, which isn't that something that we kind of already knew <laughs> is that politicians have a vested interest in keeping us angry at each other. Something to keep in mind the next time something on the tube or something on the radio or some newspaper or magazine article uh, get your blood boiling because of something a politician said or did or some politician tells you you should be angry at this person or party for this position or, or what, have you, what have you. They are, in many cases, as this study verifies, they are deliberately playing you, basically. Uh, we're pitting one side against the other for political gain. What a shock. I am shocked. And one other uh, item here among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. If you're a little groggy waking up this morning, kind of dragging a little bit, this is kind of interesting. Uh, researchers at the University of Michigan say that the shift to daylight savings time in the spring affects early birds less than it does night owls. Now, I know the, the timing on this study, uh, we're way past spring forward, and we've got a ways yet before we worry about fall back. But we generally think of the time change, I, I mean, uh, sort of the natural inclination is that we think that the time change must impact those who get up early in the morning more so than it does those who sleep in and stay up late. Not the case. Uh, these uh, researchers at the University of Michigan found that those with a genetic profile that makes them more likely to be early birds the rest of the year, uh, they were found to adjust to the time change in just a few days, while those who tend to be night owls could take more than a week to get back on track with their sleep schedule. The co-author of the study, Dr. Srijan Sen, says this study is a demonstration of how much we vary in our response to even relatively minor changes to our daily routines, like daylight savings time. Because in the final analysis, it's only an, an hour change twice a year. So it really should not be that big of a deal. But discovering the mechanisms underlying this variation, he says, can help us understand our individual strengths and vulnerabilities better. So... I don't know, just kind of uh, interesting, and especially because I, maybe because I woke up this morning and I was a little groggy getting started <laughs> this morning, maybe that kind of resonated with me for that reason, I'm not sure. But anyway, thought it was kind of uh, interesting. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly sunny today with a high of 76, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 58. A busy Finley intersection will be closing for approximately three months so it can be raised so it doesn't flood anymore. The Finley Engineering Department says the intersection of East Main Cross and East Street will close on Monday. So at the end of the day, what this project is doing is raising the intersection of East, Street, East Main Cross as well as that claimed court side. So if we ever receive any floods, such as the 2007-2017 flood, 
emergency vehicles will still be able to have access through there. That's city engineer Jeremy Kalb. In June, Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway closed for the first half of the project, which is still underway. Both parts of the project are expected to be finished in October. Get more on our website. The city of Cincinnati is gearing up for a presidential visit and internationally broadcast town hall forum. President Joe Biden will take part in the event being held at Mount St. Joseph University tonight. Air Force One is expected to land at the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport shortly before 4 and depart at 10. The town hall is expected to focus on a wide range of issues facing the nation, including COVID-19, the economy, and infrastructure. Two COVID-19 outbreaks in western Ohio are forcing the state to update guidance on summer camps. The state is urging camps to establish cohorts or pods that will stay together throughout camp. Whenever possible, campers should maintain six feet of distance from other campers outside of that group. The state says masks can be worn in crowded spaces when kids can't be kept apart. Generally, though, masks are not needed outside. The Ohio Department of Health says these practices are critical if not everyone is fully vaccinated. And remember, children under the age of 12 are not able to get the shot. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. Finley police officers and firefighters played an impromptu game of kickball with some kids at Riverside Park. Some of the officers had to leave during the game as a call came in, and those were the sirens you could hear there in the background. You can see some video from the kickball game on our website. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. As we know, Americans are traveling once again. We keep hearing the numbers that every week sets a new post-pandemic record at airports. The roads are getting crowded again. We see that. Joining us this morning to talk about where we are headed is Google Trends expert Charlotte Smith. Uh, Charlotte, when it comes to travel, what are you seeing in terms of the searches people are doing as things reopen here in the summer of 2021? Hey, Chris, we're seeing lots of people searching for answers to questions like, where can Americans travel right now? We're seeing people search for travel restrictions in certain places like Hawaii, Canada, the US, the UK, and Greece, so very glamorous, Um, but also looking for flights domestically to places like Vegas, Miami, Hawaii, and Florida. So it's clear that people are very ready. It is interesting, too, that people, as you mentioned, are not just searching for destinations. I would imagine that is pretty common. Uh, You see that every year, but also looking specifically uh, for uh, travel advice with respect to restrictions or special uh, guidance that may still apply in some places this year. So we still are very mindful that this is still a thing that we have to be uh, concerned about, we have to be cognizant of. That's exactly right. And actually, if people use Google search to look up flights or hotels or things to do in a certain city, we'll actually let you know if there are any travel advisories or restrictions in place automatically. And you can set some alerts um, so that if you are looking for flights, if you're looking for some of these destinations, we'll actually send you an email with updated travel guidance in case it changes for that location. So you don't have to keep checking back to see if anything is changing. You know, things change so fast as we're planning these vacations. So we want to make sure you have all the information you need to have a really good road trip, flight, 
um, or much needed summer break. You know, that is a, a good point. One of the things that I wanted to talk about here is that obviously the things can change very quickly at this point. And for the most part, they have uh, been changing for the good in a positive way. But we also know that that can go the other way very quickly. That's right. And, you know, I want to mention something I think is really interesting. We actually saw searches for the term staycation increase about a thousand and one hundred percent over the past week. So while people are definitely looking to travel and get out of their cities, looks like a decent proportion of people are also looking to have a vacation right where they are, where you already know what the restrictions are. And it could be just as far as your backyard, a nice bike ride or a road trip around your hometown. I have to say, I am not a big fan personally of the staycation idea, but I certainly understand it this year because, as we were saying, the way things can change so quickly and you never really know, uh, it certainly uh, makes sense to go with what you know, the familiar uh, stuff that is close by uh, where you can make contingencies a lot easier should things change uh, rather quickly. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the tools uh, that, that you have, not only for planning a trip, uh, but also finding things to do and getting around and, and all of that. Uh, again, it's not just destination searching where you can be of most assistance uh, for the summer of 2021. That's right. In order to have any kind of vacation, you have to be prepared. Uh, I always use Google Shopping and using Google Shopping, you can actually see if you're getting a good price on that trendy retro cooler. I actually just bought one. They are fabulous. Um, but you need your coolers, you need your koozies, um, you need your snacks. And so you can see what's in stock at your local stores, whether that's an inflatable pool um, or something for your road trip. Uh, and make sure you're getting the best price and that's in stock. Um, and then you can also see if you have an option to have curbside pickup buy online or have it shipped to you, which is really convenient, especially if you're planning a last-minute getaway. Um, and you also mentioned getting around. I use Google Maps all the time, not just because I have uh, no sense of direction, but because <laughs> it's also helpful in helping you plan your stops along your route. So you can actually build in detours to gas stations where you can compare the prices between gas stations if you're going on that road trip, sure. but also change the depart at and arrive by times if you need to catch a flight and make sure you're at the airport by a certain time too. And I have to say from personal experience, there are things that we have done over the past uh, several years, uh, taking uh, various trips, uh, you know, both full out vacations and, you know, road trips closer to home where you find things to do or find attractions that maybe you would have would have gone overlooked uh, had those resources not been there at your fingertips so uh, again if you're uh, among those looking for something to do golly I want to travel I want to do something but what is there to do uh, obviously uh, that is a resource that you can lean on as well and actually with Google search you can explore destinations around the world so if you want to take a trip but don't know where you want to get away, you can visit google.com slash travel and tap on the explore feature to see flight prices for lots of destinations. You can filter by number of stops. And you can also filter destinations based on your travel interests, like 
beaches or skiing yeah. if you love being cold in the summer. <laughs> Either way, we've got you covered. Yeah, some of those weird people who do like to uh, be cold in the uh, warm weather season, but to each his own, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> again, Charlotte Smith is uh, with us this morning. <laughs> uh, some great resources to help you find things to do and do them safely. Uh, again, it all starts at uh, google.com with your favorite uh, Google Apps, Maps, and, and so on. Yes, it does. And if you're still undecided, visit google.com slash travel and we'll help you plan your next getaway. You deserve it after this year. To your health this morning, over 16 million Americans suffer from dry eye disease, which can lead to infections and potential permanent eye damage if left untreated. We are joined this morning by one of the country's top ophthalmologists, Dr. Rolando Toyos, for Dry Eye Awareness Month. And Dr. Toyos, what exactly is dry eye disease and who is most at risk? Let's start with the basics here. Yeah, so... Basically, you're producing tears to lubricate the front surface of your eye so that you can see clearly and feel comfortable. Dry eye disease is an inflammatory disease that affects the uh, glands that produce this tear. And if you don't have a normal tear, as you were saying before, that can lead to breakdown in the structures of the front part of the eye, like the cornea. So patients who have an abnormal tear, they'll complain of all sorts of various uh, symptoms and like blurry vision, redness, irritation, grittiness when blinking. Like for me, I have dry eye and after a long day of looking under the microscope to operate, my eyes just feel tired uh, at the end of the day. And these symptoms are getting more exacerbated and this problem is, is showing up more now that we're going to more technology and relying on technology. Normally, are, we will blink about 15 to 20 times a minute to replenish that tear film over the eye. But when we're on these technologies like the phone and the computer, we're blinking a lot less. And that causes the tear to evaporate, which causes more inflammation and mm-hmm. more irritation. Yeah, kind of a uh, vicious circle there. Uh, some of those symptoms you mentioned uh, also sound a lot like the symptoms of seasonal allergies. So I would imagine that can kind of complicate things in terms of knowing what you're dealing with. Yeah, so patients uh, assume that irritation is usually allergies, so they'll uh, go to taking uh, their normal allergy medication or getting an allergy drop. But what happens is you could have dry eye with allergies or some of the symptoms of dry eye mimic some of the symptoms of allergy. So you may be not treating the right thing. And since this is an inflammation, if you don't treat the inflammation early, a mild inflammation can turn into moderate dry eye, which can turn into severe dry eye. So yeah. I have patients that didn't think they had dry eye and just kind of blew it off either to an allergy, didn't do much of it. They took their oral allergy medication 
And what happens is with this inflammation, it starts to uh, disrupt the structures of the front surface of the eye. And then they come in and then they've got a real problem. Now, just to clarify, you mentioned that it is possible to have a dry eye with seasonal allergies, uh, but that is not necessarily, they're two separate things and you can have uh, dry eye disease absent seasonal allergies. And there are other, uh, some other uh, factors that make one at risk for this as well, right? Yeah. So uh, as you age, you're, you have an increased risk of having uh, dry eye just because the, we're relying on glands to make this tear film. So as you age, your glands just don't work uh, as well. There's hormonal factors as well, as well. We used to see, I would say about 10 years ago, about 70% of my patients were women over the age of 40, and that was due to aging and hormonal factors. But now we're seeing all age groups. And one of the reasons why is we talked about the technology mm -hmm. issue, but really uh, our diets are changing, our lifestyles are changing and not for the better. If you look at our the U.S. diet over the last 40 years, we've gone more and more to processed foods. We're getting away from uh, more veggies as we used to, to eat. And diet contributes to the glands not working as well and contributes to this inflammation that we're seeing uh, in the eyes. The other thing is that uh, patients, they're having these irritations and the first thing they do is they'll just go to the pharmacy and they'll reach for artificial tears, which will lubricate the eye and make the eye feel better for a short period of time, but it's not treating the underlying problem, yeah. which is the inflammation in the eye. Yeah, that's... So that when they go to their doctor... No, I was Go just ahead. no, I was just going to interject uh, to ask how uh, is this treated? And an important distinction: Are you treating the symptoms or the disease? Is this curable or or just something people who have it have to learn to live with? Yeah, and I tell people you don't have to learn to live with, and if you do, it just exacerbates the problem and mm. it becomes worse. Because what happens is it's, a, it's an inflammation. That inflammation can start destroying the normal structures of in uh, the normal glands, and then you can get into severe problems where the glands don't function normally, even with medication. So what we want to do is, instead of just treating the symptoms with like an artificial tear, you want to go and see your doctor. And now we uh, doctors we have four different medications that we can prescribe. One of those medications is Sequa, which is a uh, anti-inflammatory drop, which is 0 0.09 cyclosporin in this special nanotechnology called N-cell, which actually gets the medication to the structures uh, better. And with any of these medications, you want to follow the instructions of your doctor. And then if you have any side effects like eye pain, redness, or irritation, uh, you should uh, talk to your doctor about that right away. One thing in terms of uh, symptoms that we see is I see a lot of patients who say that they used to be able to wear contact lenses, but now they can't tolerate the contact lenses anymore. Mm. And that goes back to the allergy and the dry eye. Some people get a little bit of an allergy to their contact lens, but most of the times the reason why people become contact lens intolerant is that their dry eye, uh, it's so dry that the contact lens can't be worn comfortably. So they come in. Now, if you're a contact lens wearer and you want to use this medication, what you want to do is put the medication in first, wait 10 to 15 minutes, and then you can go ahead okay. and put your contact lens in. 
And then when you take your contact lens out at night, you can go ahead and put the medication back in. So uh, to answer a question that I'm sure some folks are asking, yes, uh, the uh, treatments uh, are uh, compatible with uh, contact lenses. So again, as you mentioned, the best source of information on all of this for your specific situation is going to be your doctor, as with any uh, health condition. That being said, where can we guide folks to get more kind of general information on all of this? Yeah, so you can go to Sequa.com, and that has some information on dry eye and, uh, and the medication. I also wrote a book that you can find on Amazon and the other uh, um book outlets called Dry Eye Disease Treatment in the Year 2020. Again, ophthalmologist Dr. Rolando Toyos for Dry Eye Awareness Month, something that impacts over 16 million Americans. Dr. Toyos, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Police and fire crews responded to Knott's Berry Farm Amusement Park in California on Saturday evening after a man climbed to the top of the Supreme Scream roller coaster and refused to come down. <laughs> he climbed to the top. Uh, they haven't figured out exactly how he managed to do that unnoticed. But uh, Orange County Fire Authority and Buena Park Police advised the public to stay away from the area as they worked to get the man off the top of the ride safely. Uh, Knott's Berry Farm issued a statement of the incident Saturday night saying that the theme park was made aware of the incident and that park personnel alerted local law enforcement and emergency responders. Park officials turned off most of the rides in the park and evacuated guests in the vicinity Park officials say it is not clear how the man managed to climb the tower unnoticed or for how long he was up there before rescuers arrived. <laughs> they add that the man descended the tower about 8.55 p.m. and made it to the ground safely. He was taken to a nearby hospital for evaluation. <laughs> that is crazy. I mean, I know they're thrill rides, but that's not the kind of thrill that you should be looking for. It's weird. Uh, a couple of stories of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of uh, stories of teenage drivers uh, who obviously need a little bit more experience behind the wheel. A teen living in Lakewood, Colorado, hit the gas instead of the brake and ended up driving his car into someone's swimming pool in their backyard this past Friday. Uh, the vehicle, an Infinity, uh, carrying a the teenager and his adult passenger were not injured. <laughs> An adult passenger, I'm wondering if that was the uh, driving instructor. You fail. <laughs> but uh, neither were injured. The Lakewood Police Department shared video of the fire department team's operation to recover the vehicle, captioning it, uh, check out our new infinity pool. Get it? Because the vehicle was an infinity and it was in the pool. An infinity pool. <clears throat> but um bum Where's the rim shot when you need it? Not to be outdone, another teenage driver uh, wrecked a historic house built in 1650, the year 1650, built by the great-grandfather of President Abraham Lincoln. The house has been wrecked by a teenage driver crashing into it, the Samuel Lincoln House on North Street in the town of Hingham, Massachusetts, was badly damaged 
when the 19-year-old motorist crashed into the front of the historic home the morning of July 15th. First responders at the scene found a 2014 Audi Q7 lodged in the home's living room. (laughs) It is not period correct. Uh, About half the car entered the home, according to a statement from the Hingham Police Department. And how did this end up happening? The uh, driver said he was trying to avoid hitting a squirrel. <clears throat> well, that's Admiral. You you don't want to uh, you don't want to kill a little helpless squirrel, but still, on balance, another vehicle crash in the broken news this morning. An accident involving cow manure led to a smelly commute for some drivers in the Sunshine State. The Florida Highway Patrol says a dump truck carrying manure collided with a another semi truck on Tuesday in Brevard County. The crash led to the spill of the manure along Interstate 95, causing a section to have to be closed for cleanup. Nobody hurt in the crash, but can you imagine having to explain that to your boss while you were late for work? Uh, There was manure all over the road. It was a really crappy situation. Again, where's my rim shot? Where... And uh, also in the uh, broken news, do we have something else in the... Am I missing a story? I have the, uh, the last one here. Is this it? Okay. I thought we had another, I thought we had another uh, story in the uh, broken news, but apparently not. This story. To finish. I knew that I wanted to finish with this one. I thought there was just another one in between. All right. Finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, police in California say a Fresno woman managed to chase down the person who shot her on her bike. Uh, She had gunshot wounds in both of her legs. Uh, The woman, uh, whose name is not given, reported to be in her 40s, was shot in a domestic violence situation Monday night. She called police right after she was shot. Again, shot in both of her legs. Somehow, she still managed to jump on her bicycle and chase the shooter for at least a block until officers could arrive so that she was there to point out the person who attacked her. Now that is, that's impressive. You get shot in both your legs and still manage to chase the shooter on your bicycle for about a block to point him out to uh, police. Kudos uh, to this woman. That is, uh, that is awesome. Very impressive. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play third. 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. And this uh, falls into the latter category, the statistics that shape our lives. Most pet owners would agree that their pets are spoiled. I mean, we all spoil our pets, right? 
not news, but a new survey shows just how much we spoil our pets. According to a poll of 2,000 dog-owning Americans, it was commissioned by the pet food company Now Fresh, 87% of those polled consider their dogs a valued member of the family. And two out of three admit to making special meals just for their dogs. Now, I don't, I, I've never gone that far. I would not go that far. Unless you want to consider special meals um, dog food. I mean, that's special because I don't eat it. <laughs> so I guess we can call that special, but I don't think that's what they're talking about. Two out of three pet owners admit making special meals just for their dogs. 70% of dog owners say that they have made major changes to their own lifestyle because of their four-legged family members. 70% have made major changes to their own lifestyle to accommodate their pets. 39% say they exercise more because their dogs need it. 26% say they choose the place they live because of their dog. And most of those are like apartment owners or condominiums uh, with HOAs that do or don't restrict the types of pets that are allowed. So uh, 26%, one in four, say that the place they live is impacted uh, by their pets. And that, I can, that part I can understand. 60% of those polled consider themselves helicopter parents to their pets. That is to say, parents who constantly hover over they're little ones to protect them. They do the same with their, with their pets. So it is probably no surprise that 46% have copped to buying a sweater for their dog when it gets cold. 40% have bought a winter coat for their canine. And 37% <laughs> have purchased a rain jacket for, Fr for Fido. <laughs> have you ever seen a dog with a rain jacket? That is one of the funniest sights you will ever see. But... 37%, uh, nearly 4 in 10, admit that they have done that. For the record, 3 out of 4 in the survey, 75% believe that the dogs know that they are spoiled. <laughs> well, of course they do. <laughs> of course they do. And now to our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, and this is a tough one. We hear about cases of abandoned babies in the news from time to time. We've even occasionally had it happen locally. There is no official database on the number of usually young mothers who feel that they are ill-equipped to care for a child who leave their baby someplace hoping it will be found and properly cared for. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. For one Indiana housewife, it took one news story about one baby doe to discover God's purpose for the rest of her life, serving these babies with no one else in the world to care for them. Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, Keeping the Faith. It was an October 2009 news report that caught the attention of Linda Zanarko. I watched this scene unfold and I thought something has got to be done to take care of this baby and give this baby a name because Doe is not a name, a dumpster is not a grave, and a diaper is not burial clothing. It must have been God who placed the narco who was going through a difficult time in front of the TV set that day. 
Well, my mother had just died in June, and here it was October, six months later, and I had just helped my father give my mother a beautiful celebration of life, giving her honor and dignity, planning her funeral, you know, reading scripture, singing beautiful songs, giving her a headstone. And I, we, we all do that for our loved ones because we believe that as children of God, you know, they deserve that, that we are image bearers of the King. Zanarko compared her mother's celebration of life to what this baby boy's body left in a dumpster received. I looked at this baby in this situation and I thought, this is not at all like what my mother got. And yet this is still a child of God. Uh, This feels like quite an injustice and I need to do something about it. So I did. What Linda Zanarko did was establish the ministry He Knows Your Name, write a book by the same name, and help create the Safe Haven Baby Box National Program. Well, when the law was passed to enhance the safe haven law by using these safe haven baby boxes, Monica Kelsey, the founder of that organization, um, has done a ton of work to make sure that these boxes are uh, made and perfect for these babies. They're put in the walls of fire stations and hospitals. They are climate controlled and they have silent alarms on them. Twelve babies are alive today, living with their adoption parents as a safe haven baby box program continues across the country. Every baby has been given medical treatment in under three minutes, and every one of these children have been adopted by a forever family within 30 days. So we have seen this work and work really well. And the anonymous option has become a really important feature of the Safe Haven Law. Linda Zanarko's book, He Knows Your Name, deals with tragic circumstances after a deceased baby's body is found. But on one occasion, she was contacted by an adoption attorney who was seeking a legal guardian for a seriously ill baby in a hospital. The birth mother was addicted, and she was homeless. She gave birth to the brain-damaged baby girl, signed the papers, then left the hospital. The attorney needed Zanarko to be the legal guardian to make end-of-life decisions. I called my husband on the way home, and I was sobbing. And my husband just said to me, you will not do this one alone. I'm coming with you. And so we went back to see her that night. And then we went back the next day. We took her off of life support and we wrapped her in a beautiful white crocheted dress, called her Abigail, worshiped with her and prayed over her, read scripture over her and we baptized her. And then we took her off life support and she passed two hours later. He Knows Your Name is a ministry only a few could handle. When I hold a funeral and the beautiful starts overtaking the ugly part of it, and it's like bringing light to darkness, bringing justice where there was injustice, and that makes me really happy. I look at the situation and think, yes, it was bad, but now it's beautiful. Here's how to get more information from Linda Zanarko about her book, He Knows Your Name. They can go to my website, which is heknowsyourname.org, and hear more stories and learn more about what I'm doing. I am on all social media platforms. This is John Clemens reporting. Wow. Just wow. What else can you say? Uh, Just an awesome mission. And as John was mentioning in the report a little bit earlier, not one that many of us could handle. You'll learn more at our webpage, of course, goodmornings.net. Keeping the faith. 
And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program as always. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Tiffin's Ritz Theater is ready to open their doors again. Executive Director Michael Strong will share highlights of a very exciting season of performances ahead. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.